They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they, and they attack us because we're over there. We don't need to go populist left or populist right. We don't need to embrace neo-Marxism or neo-fascism, these disastrous movements from the 20th century. Turns out the answer is pretty much our Bill of Rights, our story. Embrace freedom. That's the answer. And if the LP has a purpose, it's not to put people to sleep. It's to wake them up. We're here because we love liberty. And we're here because we hate injustice. We are here to save mankind. We are here to fight. Join us, the Libertarian Party, in perhaps the most exciting, grandest endeavor in history, the restoration of American liberty. Ideas spread, they can't stop them. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Decentralized Revolution, a podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus and Mises PAC. I'm Aaron Harris and I'm your host. Uh, throughout this uh, uh, COVID uh, nightmare of the last couple of years, uh, several countries have had it much worse uh, than we have here in the United States, not to minimize uh, the, just the madness that's gone on here. But uh, I'm sure most of you heard and continue to hear about uh, what has gone on in Australia, which, uh, of course, you know, growing up, uh, you kind of think as well, they're English speaking, and they're, you know, from the Commonwealth. So they're probably of a fairly free. And in some respects, I guess that's true. But uh, I think the uh, virus panic, as I like to call it, has certainly revealed a lot of the totalitarian elements that are, you know, just below the surface. And, and now, you know, above the surface in a lot of these so-called uh, liberal democracies. And uh, my guest today has been um, in the mix over there as a, a, a great voice uh, speaking out against uh, all this. Uh, her name is Kate Fantanel, and she ran for Senate uh, earlier this year uh, in Western Australia, which is one of their states. Um, so in Western Australia, she was the lead Senate candidate for the Liberal Democrat Party, which is basically their Libertarian Party, uh, in spite of what we might think about those uh, uh, that set of words here uh, in the United States. But of course, historically, liberal is uh, is a good thing, and uh, so the Liberal Democrats are the 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 small L Libertarian Party uh, over there. And Kate is uh, fairly young. And uh, she talks about how um, her involvement with uh, an interest in uh, guns and gun rights, uh, along with some other things, kind of got her on track to being part of the uh, Liberal Democrat Party over there and uh, then stepping up to run for Senate. And uh, she really gets into, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, the tracking and the just over the top uh, COVID restrictions uh, over there. And uh, also kind of uh, intriguing is, you know, just the challenges of marketing liberty uh, to people who are uh, used to something very different and who are in the middle of something very different, uh, where many of them don't really see much of a problem. So we, we talk about the strategy of, you know, do you try to reach everybody? Do you try to uh, wake up the people who are maybe a little bit woken up, a little bit uh, red-pilled? 
Oh, one thing I need to mention before we get into this episode, uh, about halfway through, um, I had a power outage uh, right in the middle of our afternoon chat. Uh, Kate uh, was over here uh, visiting in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she had just gotten into New York and and, uh, gave me some time. And we got about halfway into our talk and uh, afternoon thunderstorms in Knoxville uh, knocked things out. So she was kind enough to uh, uh, link back up with me the following day to finish it. So that's why uh, there's going to be kind of an awkward uh, uh, rupture in the middle there. We pick it right back up. And if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you see that I'm wearing different clothes and all that. So I think you're going to enjoy uh, this talk with Kate Fantanel. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, having you on today. Where Where are you? Uh, you're on a tour of the U.S. Where are you today? I'm currently in Boston, Massachusetts. I just did the Freedom Trail this morning, so I rushed back oh. to the hotel to talk to you, but it was just incredible. So I'm here appreciating your history and how you fought for your freedom because my country, Australia, we didn't have to fight for our freedoms. And as you might have noticed, if you've been following the situation in Australia, <laughs> we're giving them up quite readily to our state and federal governments with the COVID pandemic. Yeah, I it's been um, really amazing. I, right at the beginning of what I like to call the virus panic, I refuse to say the that other word because it's so stupid. But um, the the woman who cuts my hair in the place where I used to live, her husband was over in uh, Australia for something that basically was studying over there. Was going to be over there for like a year or so. And basically got trapped over there. And then I moved here to Tennessee. So I, I don't know exactly what happened. But explain. So I, I think we always here in America, we have kind of a cartoonish version of Australia. We think of uh, I apologize in advance, but it's like you're kind of like British hillbillies. I think, you know, you're out in the outback. And so we think of you maybe as a little more free than like, you know, Brit the, the, the United Kingdom or something. But boy, these last couple of years, uh, what what what's going on there? So I'm from Western Australia, and not only did my country close our international border, my state closed our internal domestic border. So for two years, I couldn't cross over to the neighbouring state of South Australia, where I'm originally from, to visit my family. Mm. Every time there was one case of COVID in another state, we were, weren't allowed to travel out of my state into the, the neighbouring state. So we do actually have the right to freedom of travel around our country in our constitution. So it was challenged in the High Court, but the High Court ruled that when there is a state of emergency, those rights don't apply. So we actually don't have the right to travel if the government declares a state of emergency. Now, my state of Western Australia is still in a state of emergency now. Even though the border is open... Even though we are letting people in and out, even though we're having 90,000 people at our footy games on the weekend, we are still in a state of emergency. And this means that the police can enter our house without a warrant at any time and that the government still has those powers over the people. So how, how did that happen? Uh, was there any indication that that were the seeds of that evident before um, March 2020? Uh, as someone who loves liberty, I, 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 well, let's back up a second. Were you kind of liberty leaning before this or did this radicalize you? And were you surprised that Australia's reaction was as bad as it has been? 
Well, I had the honour of working for Australia's first libertarian senator, former Senator David Linehelm. So I wasn't, I was radicalised long before the pandemic. But um, the topic that actually got me into libertarianism was firearms and guns. I'm a, a proud sporting shooter, a pistol shooter. I grew up in regional Australia. So for me, if you know much about Australia's firearm laws, we don't have any rights to bear arms at all. And we have very um, heavy restrictions on guns. So I was already awake prior to the pandemic, but I wasn't aware just how much power the state and federal governments had over the people. And I wake up in despair for my country every day because we are sleepwalking into tyranny. We just had a federal election. I ran as the lead Senate candidate for Western Australia for the Libertarian Party. And there was an increase in vote to the far left. So yeah. Australia, Canada, New Zealand, these proud liberal democracies that, like you said at the start, were founded on freedom and you think that we're free, we're actually not. And we are giving up our freedoms every day to the government and being in your country and, and doing things like the Freedom Trail makes me appreciate just how much you guys fought for what you have today. Yeah, so even though, like, I, you know, I was, I'm 46 and like the country that we live in now is not the country I grew up in. And I don't say that for like just nostalgia reasons. Like, Hey, I liked the music better back then, but like the sort of the culture of, you know, how people relate to the government has changed so much. Like I remember uh, telling someone, uh, I was a younger woman. We were waiting outside. Uh, it was the early days. I think it was like April of 2020. And I forget, well, it's not important where we were, but the, this business was basically, you could only like go in one at a time, right? And so you had to wear them at all this stuff. And so they were explaining this and saying, I have to wait out in line and it was brutally cold. And I said to this girl, I was like, man, if this happened in the country I grew up in, we would tell these people to go F themselves. Like, it's like, we just wouldn't stand for this, but now we do. So like, what is it? seems like culturally that those of us who love liberty, like I knew it was bad, but like the, the last two years, uh, two and a half years, it was like, I didn't know it was this bad. I didn't like, you're saying that your constituency went farther left. Like how, how can that, it, I, it's such a, I don't even have a question. I'm so dumbfounded by that. I think our politicians um, have been very successful in pushing the fear message. So even this morning in the news, the premier of Western Australia was saying that he wants to bring back mask mandates for the population. Now, Australia is 95% vaccinated, double jabbed. In my state, 75% of the workforce were mandated to have three injections, not just two, three. So people quit their jobs over it. I quit my job over it because I refused to get something and give up my medical autonomy. But people did it. And even at a time with vaccine passports, all the businesses, gyms, coffee shops, cafes, pubs, they were all required to enforce vaccination passports for three injections. So we had medical segregation was rife in my state and people played on the fears. People saw those images of people dropping dead in the street in China and we legitimately got scared. So I woke up to it about a couple of months in and I thought, hang on, this is going a bit too far. And then the survival rate, 0.01% of people have died in Australia from this and that's not mentioning their underlying conditions. So yeah. it's scary. I wake up in despair for my country because we didn't have to fight for our freedoms and we're turning to the government to save us from something that we don't actually need to be saved from. Yeah. 
is there um well, well the general population seems to uh either be going along with it or even you know going further into authoritarianism like is there uh as someone uh tell us about the the libertarian ish party there and are are there is there a sliver of people who are kind of getting red pilled um and ha- what is red pilling them are they afraid to uh, become politically active. Uh, what signs of hope do uh, libertarians and other, you know, libertarian adjacent people have uh, right now in Australia? So my party, the Liberal Democrats, which is the Libertarian Party of Australia, we did see an increase in membership and people getting involved in our party because of the COVID pandemic. So we're the biggest that we've ever been. We did achieve in my um, Senate race the highest result in a decade. So I did pick up quite a few people who were sick of the authoritarianism and the government overreach in our lives. So there is hope. Federally, the system is a bit different and it's harder for minor parties like mine to get elected. State, it's a lot easier. Um, so we've got a state election in March 2025. So I'm, I'm looking to that. And if my party wants me to run, I will. But the next two and a half years, because it's two and a half years till the state and federal election now, I don't know what's going to happen. People seem to be willing to give up their rights, this whole we're all in it together. It's been two and a half years. Like I'm in America walking around and everyone's, if they want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to line up for a booster, line up for a booster. We're not given that choice in Australia. It's forced on us and people abide because they think the government is trying to look after them. Yeah. Is there, um, have you been... Uh, deplatformed, harassed, um, you know, have have the authorities kind of come after people who speak out against this? I know I've heard uh, some horror stories out of Canada. We had Tim Moen from the Libertarian Party Canada on, Uh, you know, we saw what happened to the truckers that people who gave, you know, 20 bucks to the truckers, all of a sudden they're having like, you know, local cops, like check them out. And, you know, it's like, so has it gone that far Um, and what have you had to do to get the message out and even get a seat at the table to talk about things at all? Are you able to, or is it all online or how, how is it working? So we did have freedom rallies or freedom protests in Australia. So I spoke at them quite regularly. Um, I was painted in the media as a far right gun nut because I was campaigning on firearm rights as well for my election. So COVID pandemic overreaction and gun rights were the two issues I took to the election because there are actually a lot of shooters in Australia and in my state of WA. So the media wasn't very friendly to me, um, calling me far right and um, I wanted an NRA style Australian culture. So uh, the media isn't very friendly to our kind of parties. They call us anti-vax, even though we're pro-choice. It's been quite hard to get the message out. So I focus more on going out into the communities and doing podcasts like this, like the power of social media has really helped get the message out, but there's still a lot of work to do. Is there generational um, differences? Uh, are, are the are, who? someone who loves liberty in Australia, are they more likely to be old or young or is it just kind of random? Like I I get the impression that sometimes there's, you know, again, there's like older people and where I'm from in Tennessee tend to be more libertarian ish uh, on a lot of things. And seems like the younger you get, the worse it gets. Like um, 
I, I guess I'm just trying to get a handle on kind of the culture of liberty and like it, like is there uh, maybe a, a good way to talk about this would be through the gun thing. You said you do like target shooting and stuff like that. Is that still um, allowed? Like t- tell us a, a little bit of, maybe that's a good way to get into um, people's attitudes about things. Like it, are you still able to do that? Are they kind of trying to take that even to try to take that away or? Yes. So in my state, um, the police minister who's in charge of the firearms legislation actually gave the media a list of the locations of licensed firearm owners who then printed on the front page of the paper a map of all the locations of where licensed firearm owners lived. So it was basically a shopping list for criminals. Um, We've had thefts, we've had home invasions, people's guns have been stolen because of this. And this was all under the guise of community safety and there was too many guns in society. And so he's created this situation now where I do fear that the little rights that we have for our firearms, which is to prove that you are a fit and proper person, you have to allow the police into your home at any time to check that your firearms are stored separately from your ammunition. Um, If you have a speeding fine, they can take your licence away from you. So it's already hard enough to be a licensed firearm owner in Australia and they are going to make it harder. Uh, In terms of um, the demographics for the libertarian movement, it is a mixed bag. My number two on the Senate ticket was a doctor in his 70s, so that's an example. But we also had a lot of younger people, I'm proud to say, who woke up to the far left um, movement based on economics. So the high tax, the high spending and inflation, they realised that, hang on, we've already got a trillion dollar debt in Australia, which I know isn't as much compared to you, but it is big for a country our size. Inflation yeah. 7.6%. So there are people thankfully, in, in the younger age group who are waking up to to the far left. So I'd imagine that the economy there, is it kind of tied to the general American, Western European? Because I would think with their banking and all that is kind of in that same sphere. So you guys are seeing the same thing. Uh, inflation. Uh, did, did you guys have a recession too around 20, 2008, 2010? Yes, we did. Uh, Okay. So, so you're kind of, uh, we're all on the same uh, trajectory Trajectory. here, which, (laughs) which I think is uh, pretty bad. And like, you know, even here uh, over the last year or two, you know, they're blaming everything on Putin. You know, the fact that uh, uh, I think there's periodic baby formula shortages and, you know, that gas is, uh, you know, twice what it was a few months ago and, and all this stuff, like it, the, I think that that's one thing as libertarians that we have an opportunity on as, cause I think a lot of people on the cultural stuff, like, Hey, I'm a libertarian. I don't care what you do, but like the, the leftist cultural thing now is not tolerance. It's we have to subsidize and approve of everything. Whereas I'm willing to tolerate a lot, but I'm not willing to say I agree with something or, or, or to pay for, you know, gender reassignment surgery for six-year-olds or whatever. Uh, I should say sex reassignment. But um, uh, but I think that people, one thing that even people who, I think generally they want to be thought of as good people. So they go along with some of the cultural stuff. They shake their heads. Uh, but I think that the economic thing is going to be a, a wedge where we can get in there. And we're the libertarians who 
you know, know what Ron Paul and, and Ludwig von Mises say about a boom and bust, we have the answer. We know why this is happening, what's going to happen, why it's going to happen. And I, I think this is a great opportunity for everyone. And I hope that you're able to do the same thing to say, hey, this is not just an accident. Well, you're in New York now. Uh, power went out on us yesterday. We're back. Uh, and right when uh, the power went out, um, I was talking about the economy, economic issues, and kind of uh, it looks like you know inflation is really bad here. It's really bad uh, back home in Australia for you. And we libertarians, you know, we know why that is, and we've been saying it. And so I really think it's um, this is our moment. Uh, on the economy because people are going to want to listen because they want to know why this is happening. And as it gets worse, they're going to want to know even more. That's right. So in Australia, we're approaching a trillion dollar debt, which I know doesn't sound like much compared to yours, but for a country our size, it is quite um, eye-watering. Our government, who was recently elected at a federal level, has also just bought back in the COVID payments. So if you catch COVID, um, you can stay at home for seven days and the taxpayer will pay for you even more so than you earn at work for some people. So we're still doing that in Australia, despite all this warning signs showing that the economy is heading for dangerous waters. So you're right, now is the time to talk to people about the cost of living and how government is not the answer. In fact, government is causing most of the problems. So, you know, you mentioned the uh, federal election over there that just happened, and uh, you played a part in that. So talk about uh, why you decided to run and how, how your campaign went. What, uh, what did you hear from people as you campaigned? Well, like I mentioned, I've been awake or a libertarian for six, seven years now. I did work, work for Australia's first libertarian senator. So it wasn't COVID that woke me up. It was the issue of firearms and gun rights in Australia. So that's what I campaigned on. But the thing that compelled me to run was the vaccine mandates and the restrictions that were put on the people in my state of Western Australia. So people were losing their jobs because they didn't want to have three injections. They weren't given a choice. It was a mandate, government mandate across all businesses. So private businesses weren't allowed to, to decide. The vaccine passports, um, seeing medical segregation in my society where people were locked out of participating in normal Australian society events like barbecues um, at the park, those kind of things. So for me, it was I needed to stand up and be a voice for the people who were being shunned by society and who were being labelled far right or anti-vax, there wasn't a lot of those people that I spoke to um, out and about in the community. They just wanted their own decision to be respected, but the government took that away from them. So I campaigned heavily on gun rights and um, overreaction to COVID. What uh, what type of stories did you hear out there? I mean, there, there must have been, uh, you know, people having the courage uh, to stand up against this and, you know, whether it's people who, you know, didn't comply with the mandate and their lives were, you know, knocked off track or, you know, people who were um, maybe, you know, put out really by the uh, lockdowns and stuff like that. You must have heard some some pretty um, must have uh, gotten angry at some of the stuff you heard, I would think. Some of it was quite harrowing. So 
people were having recording reactions to vaccines and they would go to their doctor and they were saying they had those reactions, those severe reactions. And one person I spoke to was a maths teacher, so he was mandated to have three injections. He suffered badly from the first. The doctors wouldn't give him an exemption for the second, so he took the second one and now he has constant migraines. Um, he refused to take the third injection, so he got fired. That's one example. Another example, all people who migrated to Australia, Australia is a migrant country, they weren't allowed to go back to see their families in another country like in Europe, even if they were going to sign a piece of paper saying, I will never come to Australia again, let me out of this country because my parents are dying. Our government would not give exemptions for us to travel overseas. And even interstate, Western Australia closed its internal state border. So me personally, I couldn't go across and see my family in South Australia. So it's the mental health things, it's the physical health things that I heard during my campaigning. And it's, it's just sad what's happened in Australia. And, and um, I'm telling these stories in America and people can't believe it because our liberties have been stripped from us and, and we're sleepwalking into tyranny. There's not enough yeah. of us out there speaking about it. Yeah, it's almost, uh, I almost feel bad now because I, I think I kind of made a joke. There was a joke going around that like Australia went back to its roots as like a prison uh, colony. But like now that I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, there were real people affected by that. And I it, it is just amazing how um, people, you know, I, I heard uh, Zuby's podcast the other day. He had someone on talking about uh, mass formation psychosis. And uh, uh, just how that affects how people perceive crises and that even though they see these things happening, they see this math teacher get sick, they see businesses closed down, they see uh, people who are separated from loved ones when they die, but they all they just write it off and like, why are you being selfish? We have a we have a virus to beat. And that's what uh, that's what's really amazed me about this whole thing. Well, we did let some people back into Australia, but we had capacity on how many people could return. So even if you were an Australian citizen, you had to join a wait list of flights to get back into the country. And my brother-in-law, his family were in Serbia. It took them 18 months from March 2020, 18 months to get a flight back to Australia because our government literally locked them out as well. And then they had to do two weeks in one of these um, internment yeah. facilities that you might have seen. Uh, because they were treated like a biological hazard. So not only yeah, yeah. were they restricted from coming home, when they did come home, they were locked up from society and, and said, well, you were selfish for being overseas during a pandemic. And the culture of Australia has changed. It's not the it, you should be right mate or helping out your neighbour. It's it's turned into the the nanny state and doming on your neighbour and 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 calling other people names when instead we should be respecting each other. That's gone out the window because of this. Yeah, that, that you're exactly right. And you even see, and you know, Twitter is uh, great things happen there, but there's a lot of horrible stuff that happens and you really see the worst of people uh, piling on. There was a, a, so in America right now um, there's one major league baseball team that is in Canada in Toronto, right? And so every time uh, a team goes to Toronto, there any players on the team that are have haven't taken the whatever Trudeau says they have to take, they have to stay behind 
And so they get to call up players from the minor leagues. And every time this happens, you know, I follow all baseball accounts on Twitter. There is, uh, uh, they, you know, they post, the, okay, these three players can't go to Toronto. And then just like the, the hate that like, oh, these, uh, the, oh, what a stupid redneck this player is. Or, uh, you know, uh, just the, the, the unhinged uh, stuff that, you know, the, the complete lack of empathy. Like, for example, I have a close family member who has like potentially deadly food allergies, Right. And so uh, for that reason, uh, you know, taking a vaccine of something that you don't really know how your body's going to react to it is is quite literally possibly a life or death thing. And I've even seen people, you know, on, again, on social media talking about, you know, there shouldn't be an exception uh, even for that. And to me, like that gets me, uh, you know, Michael Malice talks about the black pill versus white pill. Like, are, are we optimistic or, or pessimistic and I'm naturally a very black pilled person but it's almost that the the vitriolic unhinged nature of of all this actually in a weird way kind of white pills me because I'm like humanity can't be that bad and it maybe some people are but the the rest of us I think are going to it may take a while and it may not happen overnight, but I, I really think that that's why we have to keep doing what we're doing uh, because ultimately I, I have to think in the long term that we can beat some of that stuff back. Yes. Well, in Australia, we had a case where a football player went out surfing during the lockdown. Um, so surfing out in the ocean by himself, yeah. enjoying the great outdoors, something that we're encouraged to do as part of mental health and physical health. And he was called selfish for doing that activity during right. the lockdown. So you're right, the, the attitudes have changed. And even religious exemptions, I've had a lot of yep. people who are religious animal rights people who don't want to get it because it was tested on animals. They weren't yeah. given exemptions either. So right. it was just, just a, 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 it was horrible what they did to us in Australia. And it's still going now. So you still need vaccination um, mm -hmm. for travelling around Australia. And, and they're talking about bringing back mask mandates, even though they never worked. And <laughs> the fact that that's had on children is just something that I'm concerned about as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole, you know, not being able to see another person's face, like it affected my mood. Right. And I can only imagine for a little kid, you know, who's five or who's five months that, yeah. It, and it is like, I, I don't know. I have this theory and I don't know if I've mentioned it on, on the uh, podcast before, but like people and my wife's tired of hearing me say this, but like, and I'm half joking, but I'm half not like it, everything feels like they're tr this is a prequel to the matrix, right? They're trying to hook us up to the pods. They want us. So we have to plug our cars in at home. They want us watching, you know, Netflix and ordering you know, food from the food delivery service. They want us working on zoom. They want us to a church on zoom. They don't, you know, it, it, am I, am I crazy or is like, and even all the great reset stuff just really, it creeps me out. And I think that, um, uh, I think we really got to keep hitting this message because I, I and I, I think that the whole, 
and tell me if I'm crazy, but I think the matrix thing with the AI, like that's actually not, there's a non-zero chance of that happening, right? <laughs> well, Australia has um, just introduced a digital identity framework. So the surveillance state is coming. We're heading towards a social credit system in Australia, definitely. So they've already said they've got these cameras out in public places. At the freedom protest where I was speaking, they were taking photos of us and putting us on a database of the dissenters. So it's, it, Anyone who speaks out in Australia is already on that on some kind of list. So I definitely think it's we are going to see more government control, and I can't even imagine how bad it's going to get. So I'm grateful yeah. for this opportunity to tell our great brothers in America about this, yeah. and anything you can do to help spread this word that the path Australia, Canada, New Zealand, these great liberal democracies are going down is scary and it will have repercussions for freedom and freedom yeah. lovers around the world. Yeah. And, and also just beyond freedom, not like everybody I know who's a libertarian is a libertarian, not because like they want to just keep all their stuff and not help people. It's uh, libertarians are really the most altruistic people I know, you know, the, the characterization of us being selfish, like we put, you know, most of us put in a lot of work to this, very few of us get paid anything. Some of us get, you know, our expenses back and, you know, but we put all this time into trying to wake people up. And again, it goes back to the matrix, like the people that we meet in real life, they're programmed a different way and we want to liberate them, but they are programmed to hate us and not to, not to hate us personally, but hate the idea of freedom. And that to me, like that makes me proud of people like you and other libertarians who are doing this because like it would be easier to just punch out and for me to watch my baseball games and play my guitar and just, you know, run the clock out. But, but there's something that about us that we won't let that happen. Right. I mean um, so yeah, thanks for doing what you're doing. I, I wanted to get into, and I'm sure you get, this is kind of the most basic question, but it, there might be something there and especially on one thing, if you, if uh, it doesn't come up uh, uh, initially, I'm going to ask about. But just uh, is this your first time in America? And like, what is your uh, general impression of what it feels like to be here versus uh, Australia? How's it different? How's it better? How's it worse? This is my fourth visit to your beautiful country because I love it so much. Um, but this time it felt different because it's been two and a half years since I was able to leave my own country. So it was a bit surreal getting on the plane coming over here. A fun story, um, on my flight back to Australia, I have to wear a mask for the 14 hours. But as soon as I got on the plane in Australia to fly here, because it was American airspace, I didn't have to wear a mask. So um, it feels very liberating coming here. And um, as we spoke about the other day, I've been to Boston and Philadelphia, looking at your freedom history, because it's something that Australians, we've never had to fight for. We were given it on a plate from the British. We just asked, can we please be our own nation? Yes, we didn't have to fight for it. We fought in wars, but that was alongside Britain. It wasn't for our own freedom. So we take it for granted there. And it's just so refreshing to be around people where freedom and liberty is an intrinsic part of your culture because yeah. we don't have that here. We've, we've turned to the government to save us because we've never had a government oppress us. So we don't know. We're going to learn the hard way. Yeah. So what one of the uh, uh, biggest differences as a gun enthusiast 
like uh how what's the difference here have have you got to do shooting over here and um yeah I, i'm not a gun guy uh like a big big time one but like i know gun people are really into it and it must be like night and day even though some place like where you're at now new york city is is probably one of the worst uh jurisdictions here there there's there's a lot of freedom so that must be very appealing to you Yes, so Australia gave up our guns in 1996 and I spoke at a freedom rally during the pandemic and I said that's when it started. That's when the government started eroding our rights. They made us defenceless. We don't have a right for self-defence in our in our state, in our own homes. Um, we don't even have the right to pepper spray or mace. So oh we, we were a defenceless nation. And uh, you do you can still get guns in Australia. I'm a pistol shooter, so but there's a big process. You're constantly under the watch of the police. As I said, if you get a speeding fine, they can take your guns away because they that's deemed un, a not a fit and proper person. So for me, firearms is something that um, I've, I grew up around and, and that's what actually made me a libertarian because I see it as a symbol of freedom. It's the equaliser in, mm. in any defence situation. So, But again, Australia has a culture of, of giving up our powers to the government because we've never seen them do anything bad to us. So yeah. the history, the, the future for Australia is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, so what does... Um, and, and I'm sorry for jumping to the most obvious example, but like, like as a young woman, like how, like to defend yourself, like not even pepper spray, like what do they tell people to do? Like how are you, how supposed to walk around at night, um, in Sydney or wherever, right? I mean, so their advice is to call the police or <laughs> in some States it's equal force. So if someone punched me, I could punch them, but right. obviously a big, bulky gentleman punching me is not going to me punching them back isn't going to do much so um it's yeah but Australians seem to think or oh, some of us don't like it and some of us think oh well if you're going to get in those situations and that's for your problem kind of thing like yeah. um but yeah it is it's scary to think that we are a nation of, of defenseless citizens but that's yeah. what we are that's no exaggeration yeah. And I think it's also kind of interesting that I, you know, growing up, you know, I remember, you know, the Soviet Union still and kind of, you know, reading about that and, you know, reading 1984 that, you know, totalitarianism is portrayed and has been expressed sometimes as, you know, pretty obviously that and ugly and, you know, jackbooted thugs and stuff like that. Like it, it's there, but like the, the what's happening now i would bet in australia most of the western countries and you know the anglosphere as they call it like it's kind of this nice you know it's like ladies who went to grad school who are, who are like who are like leading all this and so it's got it doesn't have a an obviously brutal face to it right yeah i agree in australia the the people or the communities that were most are most awake about this is those who migrated from Eastern European countries mm -hmm. or even countries like my background, Italian, Irish. So my grandfather fled um, fascism. So though that culture, those migrants in Australia, they, they're the ones saying, hang on, what are we, what powers are we giving the government? Because we didn't come to Australia to live under what we fled from. So mm. those communities are, are quite outspoken about the freedoms that we're giving up.
So what um, I always like to kind of get recommendations from people uh, because I, I, there's so many, so much stuff out there that I don't know about, but who um, like, as far as content creators, like other podcasters, writers, uh, either in the Liberty space or the gun space, like who's out there doing good work, whether it's here or Australia or somewhere else. So Australia, the Libertarian Party has its own streaming show once a week called Liberty Chat. So that's something that we use quite heavily during the election campaign to communicate directly with people because the mainstream media didn't really give us much coverage apart from calling us um, extremists or for me, they they called me a a far-right gun nut. So we use that kind of platform. I regularly appear on different podcasts in Australia that are interested in these kind of topics. Um, But it's really hard because, like I said, mainstream media doesn't give us a voice. So it's all the social medias and and the underground communities that are talking about it. So who do you like to listen to in the politics space? Um, I do. I prefer to read. So I'm on Twitter quite a lot and I I read a lot of articles um, coming out of the think tanks like Cato and Fee and those like Adam Smith Institute. So I'm more of a reader. I do listen to the Adam Smith Institute podcast, which comes out of the UK because I find a lot of their news interesting. Um, But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you, have you checked out Mises.org, which is the Mises Institute, which is different from the caucus, but yes, yes. I've I've read some of their stuff as well. Yeah. 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 You gotta, gotta surf over there uh, every week or so to see what they have. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, is there anything else that uh, uh, that you've noticed about America that's different that that you like uh, or don't like? I like the fact that people seem to take their individual responsibility for what they do in public. So, for example, as I said before, my state is talking about bringing back mask mandates and mandating the fourth booster. Here it seems to me like I've been walking around and some people are wearing masks and some people aren't. That's fine. That's actually how it should be. Mm -hmm. In Australia, there are people banging the table saying bring back the mask mandate because, again, they turn to the government as the solution instead of their self as the individual. So I really appreciate the individuality of the people of America. And I wish that I could bring that back to Australia and get them to say, instead of turning to the government to fix your problem, why don't you look and say, what can I do first? Or what can my community do first before you go to the government? That should be your very last resort, not your first resort. Yeah. So is uh, one of our big projects here with the Mises caucus is, you know, decentralization, trying to get, uh, you know, we support, we, we've given several thousand dollars, uh, I think more than a hundred thousand over the last couple of years, uh, to local candidates. And we're going to be able to do more of that. And so we want to do get local candidates on city councils and stuff like that. And, uh, encourage ballot issues like uh, one of the ones we helped uh, uh, a couple of years ago was called decriminalized Denver, where they decriminalized, uh, you know, mushrooms, you know, psychedelic mushrooms uh, in Denver. And I think then later they did it in the whole state. But uh, in um, the federal law, those things are still illegal. So what we're trying to do is encourage 
local governments and maybe you know state governments might get it into their head if they see it happening at the local level to basically what's called nullification like we're just not going to uh, enforce that federal law we're not going to help the you know the FBI or the ATF uh, investigate this um, is there uh, what type of federal system do you have in Australia um, it is everything come out of uh, what's Canberra that's the capital like everything they say goes or do, is there some autonomy and is there anything maybe that your party could do to encourage that uh decentralization uh and getting these governments to maybe work against each other instead of all doing the same thing yeah so the state governments actually have a lot of the powers and responsibilities more so than the federal government so for me, running at a federal level was more about getting the message out and, and having a, a, that different voice because there wasn't anyone and have giving someone someone that they could vote for because a lot mm -hmm. of people are fed up with the two major parties, which are the equivalent of your Democrats and Republicans. So Labor and Liberal are the Australian versions of that. So that's why I ran. But state governments, as we found out during the pandemic, have so much power. So there's still a state of emergency in Western Australia, which gives police the right to enter your home without a warrant because that's part of the pandemic. So the emergency pandemic powers are still in place, even though the border is completely open federally and domestically. Mm -hmm. um, so the state governments seem to be where you can make the most change. And we have had state representation in Western Australia and we have two representatives in Victoria at the moment, which was also badly hit by the pandemic in terms of tyranny. Um, but there is like we do contest local council elections. We've got a state election coming up in Victoria and then New South Wales in the next year. So we do help each other out. The Libertarian Party is small in Australia, but we are growing, which is good. It's just can we grow fast enough or do we have yeah. to watch what happens before we get people, more people to come along with us? Yeah. Is Western Australia more libertarian than, than uh, other states over there? Western Australia is probably like your California. So, oh, we're, so it's, yes, it's very, it's more socialist. It's, it's more, yeah, it's not very free at all. Are, are there any regions that are more like the Texas or Florida or Tennessee, um, you know, uh, comparatively freer uh, in Australia? They were all pretty bad at one stage. At the moment, New South Wales is the most liberal or liberal in terms of free. Um, but Australia, the, I think there was like a competition at one stage to see who could be the worst state in terms of tyranny. Like we had the, the premiers the, or the governors, as you would you would call them, saying things like, if you don't get, get vaccinated, you want your grandma to die. But oh, that's yeah. the rhetoric that was being used by these people who are meant to be our leaders. Yeah. So. Yeah, the 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 midwits who uh, who uh, presume to rule over us, right? The real original uh, line there. So, um, well, uh, I, I I wish you guys uh, nothing but the best of of luck and anything we can do uh, to to help. Uh, legally speaking, I don't know. You know, we can't give money, obviously, or anything like that because. FEC and all that, but like um, you know, we'd love to have you uh, uh, at a future event next time you come over here. We'll hopefully we'll be having more events then. So let's keep those lines open. And uh, anytime you need advice or uh, if there's something happening over there that that you want people to know about, we'll have you back on. And um, 
yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay here in the States. Thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. Appreciate it. And there you have it. I'd like to thank Kate Fantanel for her time and wisdom and for making time uh, to talk to me on her trip over here uh, to the U.S. Uh, info about her, links where you can uh, connect with her are on the show notes page, decentralizedrevolution.com slash 83. Thanks to Dave versus Goliath for all the music you hear on Decentralized Revolution. And of course, thanks to everyone who subscribes to our email list and gives to Mises Pack. You can do that by going to takehumanaction.com. And thanks to everyone who shares, rates, reviews, and subscribes to Decentralized Revolution. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.